the canine condition. Come, sit, stay. Welcome to season two of the Canine Condition Podcast. I am your host, Jackie Pignol. Each episode is a conversation with a trustworthy dog rescue organization or animal welfare advocate that will leave you inspired and empowered. This is the why, where, and how to adopt or help a canine family member. The goal is to save homeless dogs and set you up for success with information and resources to raise and keep a healthy and well-balanced dog. Embark on this journey with me, and let's save humans' best friend together. We are nearing the end of Season 2 of the podcast with just three more episodes to go. So I have to circle back around to talk to rescue founders and advocates who are saving our Pipple-type and Bulldog breed dogs. This is a beautiful breed of loyal dogs that is vilified in so many ways in this country. My hope is that people who do not know Pitbull-type dogs, or maybe have heard of a bad experience with one, or personally had a bad experience with one, will understand that the human who that Pitbull-type dog belonged to is always at fault. One incident with one dog does not define an entire breed. They cannot all be judged based on one bad story or experience. We would say the same thing about human beings. When I say that this breed of dogs is loyal, I am letting you know that they are loyal to what you teach them, to how you guide them, to how you help them live each and every day. They are loyal to a fault, which is also why they are the chosen breed by evil dog fighters who know they can train these dogs to be loyal to them. They are so loyal, they were once called nanny dogs for their love of children and their gentle nature. It's truly horrible to know that humanity has taken an innocent breed of dogs and basically sentenced them to death based on how they look or how the media has portrayed them. Pipple-type dogs are victims of dog fighting rings. From newborn puppies to senior pipples, they fill our city and county shelters around the country and get euthanized every single day. Politicians have passed BSL laws, breed-specific legislation laws, that exist in many cities in the United States, prohibiting that this breed live in certain neighborhoods. Fear and ignorance will get us nowhere. Spreading lies and misinformation will get us nowhere. It just makes the problem worse. But we can learn how to make it better, how to take steps to solve this problem of abuse, abandonment, and neglect. My guest on the podcast today is Jason Flatt. He is a very experienced Pipple-type dog advocate, dog dad, and the rescue founder of Friends to the Forlorn, a licensed 501c3 nonprofit organization based in the state of Georgia. He's not one to mince words, and he's going to tell it like it is in the hopes that you will soften your heart and understand why we who advocate for Pipple-type dogs love them so much and want to help end the cruelty and the negative stigma against these beautiful, innocent beings. Welcome to the Canine Condition Podcast, Jason. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm very excited that we get to have this conversation about Friends to the Forlorn. And for our listeners, I would like to let you know how I found out about Jason and this amazing organization. It was actually years ago, back in 2015. I happened to be in Georgia. I was working on a job in the entertainment industry and found myself helping shelter dogs on the side on the weekends. And there was this one white 
pity American bulldog who needed rehabilitation because he had um, to have his ACL surgery. And in sponsoring that and trying to find a rescue, I found this place called GVR in Marietta, and it was a Georgia Veterinary Rehabilitation Center. And I talked to the lady and I said, I need a rescue to back this boy up. How are, how is he going to get safely adopted out? And they said, have you heard of Jason at Friends to the Forlorn? And I said, no. I said, oh, you should look him up. He's wonderful. And he saves so many dogs and he helps so many dogs. And he's, you know, he comes here with dogs. And I said, oh, my gosh, I have to look him up. So, of course, you know, in that journey, I ended up finding a small rescue in the area where the dog was found uh, to back him up. But I looked you up. I looked up Friends to the Forlorn, and I've been following you since. So I'm very excited to be talking to you today. Well, thank you. Thank you for all the work that you do. Oh, gosh. I'm just in, inspired by by people like you, by organizations that are taking action and actually boots on the ground making a difference every day because it's, you know, obviously unless somebody is completely shut off to the world, they don't realize possibly that we do have a homeless dog crisis in the entire country right now, even in 2022, despite how much work is done each and every day by so many people. And I want you to tell our listeners what event led you to your journey what led you to become the founder of Friends to the Forlorn? Well, I, I grew up in New York in an apartment, and I was born into a, a household with a pit bull. And uh, my parents had a dog before I was born, and dog was family to us. Um, we were raised that that was our family. The dog ate dinner with us. Dog always been a long, long line of animal lovers in the family. And, uh, you know, back then, 50 years ago, people didn't have that, st- the pipples didn't have the stigma that's attached to them today. Oh, wow. So nobody knew what a pipple was. Nobody, you know, very few people. And um, great dog, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. My second dog, when that, that dog lived till he was 17. And, uh, oh, wow. I love that. My next dog was a pipple mix that was adopted from a, an animal shelter. So um, I grew up loving animals and uh, always my dream was to be a veterinarian at one point. And uh, life takes its twists and its turns. And uh, I ended up working on Wall Street and having a, a pretty successful career on Wall Street. And um, right before I moved to Georgia, I had a little bit of an uh, unfortunate event. My, my older brother, who was a federal agent, um, took his own life. I'm so sorry. Thank you. And um, July will make 17 years. And I uh, was in the process of moving. I was actually down here looking at houses, you know, trying to make a better life for the family. And uh, I was out here looking at houses when I got the phone call. And, um, you know, my whole world just changed from that moment on. And, you know, with the hustle and bustle of working and trying to move and relocate, you know, um, I never really had time to mourn and I never, you know, I had to take care of my mother, I had to take care of the family and handle business. And, you know, we were closing on the house and I moved down here and I was down here by myself while the wife and the kids stayed up in New York and getting everything ready. And, uh, then it set in, you know, all of a sudden reality sets in and your brother's not there. And it put me in a really dark place extremely dark. You know, I was on the top of the world, you know, making great money, work from home and everything came together. And no matter, no matter what, just, um, 
nothing brought your brother back. And uh, I fell into this deep depression. And, um, you know, psychiatrists weren't my thing. Alcohol and drugs weren't my thing. So I just kind of buried everything and uh, try to, you know, be the man of the house and be there for everybody else and be strong. But uh, inside I was dying. And um, I uh, came across a couple of people down here, met some friends. And I used to just drive around on my lunch break. And uh, one of the guy's daughters came home with a little five-week-old pit bull puppy that she said she found. And he was going to take it to the pound. And I said, you know, I need a dog in my life. I said, let me take this little dog in. And I, I took him in at five and a half weeks old, this little five-pound dog covered in fleas. And um, I uh, spent every waking minute with him. And uh, he rejuvenated me. He gave me purpose again in life. And uh, he was my partner. Wherever I went, he went. And if they didn't allow him in there, then I wasn't going. And um, What did you name him? Angelo. His name was Angelo. Oh. And uh, Ange passed away about a year and a half ago. But <gasps> wow. the most special dog in the world. Um, everything that you want in a pit bull. He was just loving, loyal, and smart beyond smart. And really a good dog. So I promised him. I said, you know, you kind of saved my life. I said, I'm going to go save one for you. And I'm going to get you a friend. And I wanted to go to the pound. So I was looking around. And uh, at the time, I, I went to DeKalb County Animal Control. Back then, um, it was run by the county. It wasn't run by a life-saving organization. It was an old, decrepit place. And it was filled with probably 85 to 90% pit bulls. And um, every one of them had an X on the cage. And I asked the guy who worked there, I said, what does that mean? He said, well, they're getting euthanized tomorrow. I said, for what? He says, well, we're out of room. He said, and we don't adopt out pit bulls to the public. Oh. I said, you don't adopt out pit bulls to the public? He says, no, you have to go through a rescue. I said, but, you know, these are puppies. These are babies. I said, they didn't do anything wrong. And he says, yeah, he says, we euthanize pit bulls. I said, okay. He said, you could reach out to an organization, see if they'll help you, you know, get a dog out of here. And that's what I did. I reached out to another organization and I adopted a dog from them. And because they pulled from that pound. And uh, I started to foster their difficult dogs for them, you know, um, dogs with behavior issues or medical issues, and uh, really enjoyed it. I'd take one dog at a time, and then I decided that it just wasn't enough. I wanted to do more. And I, uh, I just started rescuing dogs on my own. I didn't have any rescue experience. I never ran a rescue. I never did anything, but I used to just take dogs in and... Uh, I'd go to the pound and I'd find the one that needed me the most, you know, the most forlorn dog. And I would just take him, get him to the vet, whatever he needed. And I'd bring him home and then I would try to find the home for him. And the word got out that I was doing this and one thing led to another. And then a lady called me and said, hey, I'm going to turn you up in New York. I heard all about you. And she's like, why don't you uh, become a, a nonprofit and become a rescue? Why are you doing this out of your pocket? And I'm like, I don't need money. I'm good, you know. I'll uh, I'll do it on my own. And then one thing led to another and another. And now we're one <laughs> of the largest pit bull rescues in the country 13 years later. 
That is awesome. I know. And I have seen so many wonderful posts through the years of, you know, obviously a lot of them start off in a sad place because you have to save dogs from difficult situations. But you give them what I like to call a happy new beginning because I don't think it's a, usually they say, oh, you know, the dog's, you know, been rescued and saved. and But it's a happy new beginning for each dog once they're with you. Yeah, we definitely we definitely go all in. You know, um, we specialize in difficult cases, whether they're behavior cases or medical cases. You know, the ones that no, nobody wants pit bulls, but nobody wants broken pit bulls or what they deem as bad pit bulls. And um, you know, these are the dogs that need it most. We in in the Atlanta area and most major cities, dogs in the pounds, eighty five percent of them are pit bull and pit bull mixes, and eighty five percent of the rescues in the areas don't take pit bulls or pit bull mixes. Oh, so, wow. you know, um, so there are actually rescues that don't, uh, a lot of rescues will not dogs? take pit bulls. A lot of rescues won't take pit bulls. They're hard to place. You know, they're the breed that people love to hate. People are very afraid of pit bulls. People are very afraid of what they don't know. You're right. They're afraid of what they don't know because they're amazing beings. You know, the, the problem lies with every story you ever see about a pit bull is negative. You know, any of the news coverage is always negative. It's always a pit bull and it's always, so they've got this like demonic, you know, stigma to them and, you know, it sells. You've got overhyped media manipulation and I've seen it plenty of times. You know, I was on Nancy Grace one time and she was awful to me. (laughs) She was awful. She was calling them baby killing monsters. And, you know, and I asked her, I asked her, I said, so Nancy, I said, tell me, I said, um, What's your experience with the breed? I said, you formulated such a strong opinion. I said, where did this come from? Cut. (laughs) Yep, that was it, you know? Interesting. My experience, what happens is people fail these dogs at an alarming rate. From when they breed them, to when they sell them, to to the owners who have them. When they end up in the pound, the pounds fail them. And the people who adopt them fail them. The rescues who rescue them fail them. These dogs are failed all the time multiple times sometimes each dog it's horrible it's horrible people they don't understand the breed i have people call me up to say hey my dog keeps biting my children on the ankles i'm like well what kind of dog do you have well i have a birding a border collie i'm like well you have a herding dog you know yeah exactly yeah you have cattle dogs you know and they're biting kids on the ankles and it's like yeah it's a herding breed what do you expect you know people have great pyrenees and the the dogs don't like to stay inside. Well, yeah, okay. Exactly. People love fluffy puppies. You know, that's not a secret here on our podcast. People are always looking for fluffy puppies. And then when the puppy's not a puppy anymore and it grows to be really large and active and gets restless and needs more out of you, the human, the easy thing for a lot of people is to be like, oh, I don't want it anymore. And we're such a, a disposable society. We think we can just get something when we want it. And when it doesn't turn out to be like the way we want it, we just toss it. And, you know, dogs are not items. 100% correct with that. Yeah, and it's it's heartbreaking. We're seeing a lot of that now. You know, when the pandemic first hit in 2020, everybody rushed to the pound to empty the shelters because they were home from work. They were working from home, and they ran out to rescue dogs. And, you know, very noble thing. Pounds were giving dogs away for free. You know, they didn't have workers, and they were shut down. And so, you know, what are you going to do? So you throw away all your adoption requirements. You get rid of your adoption fees. And you just adopt dogs out to whoever walks in the door. And um, 
these people took dogs and it was great for these dogs because these people were home. Nobody was going outside. Nobody was going anywhere. So these dogs got attention 24 seven, you know, and they were a lot, they were saviors to a lot of people who would have gone crazy without company, you know? And, uh, now that these people are returning to the, to work, these dogs are developing issues from, you know, anxiety issues. They have separation. Separation, anxiety. Yep. Getting bored, ruining things, not used to being crated. Yeah, these dogs get um, returned at an alarming rate now. This is the worst I've ever seen. It. The pounds are bursting at the seams everywhere. They are, Jason. Even in L.A. and, you know, I, I live in Los Angeles. About two weeks ago, there was a post. There were 900 dogs in the six city shelters just in L.A. My jaw dropped. Yeah, we've got it here in Atlanta. Um, we've got a pound in, in Fulton County inside of Atlanta. And um, they were built in the 70s. They were designed for dogs to never leave there. It wasn't open really to the public. It was just basically the dog catcher place. And um, it was designed to hold 125 animals. And they've got 400. What are they supposed oh to do? Oh, my gosh. You know, yeah. and you, you want to live in a no-kill world. And you want, you know, um, so these, these dogs are piled in, on top of each other. They get sick. They get hurt. They get into fights. And... You know, the rescues, uh, you know, it's, um, I was talking to a local pound by me in Paulding County today. I went over there and helped them with the dog. And they were telling me that they checked the national numbers and intake is on the rise. Yep. And the adoptions are less and the rescue numbers are all down. It's because rescues are full. You want to hear the crazy thing? I've been full since I opened my rescue in 2009. I've been full and we adopt dogs out. There was 10 more waiting to come in. I'm getting 15 to 1,700 email requests for help a day. You got to be kidding me. That no. many? No, I have 700,000 unread emails right now. I can't get to them all. If I answered all the emails, I'd never be able to care for the dogs. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, you know, I think people don't realize that, like you were saying, these dogs did so much for so many people during the pandemic. And it's just... It's so heartbreaking to see that a lot of these same families, they're like, all right, well, I got to go now. Bye. And they're not willing to invest in training or some sort of guidance or even use resources that are out there for free in order to set themselves up for success. They just want to go and dump the dog. Yeah. And, it, and it's horrible. It's horrible, especially when you, when you reach numbers like this, you know, and you have organizations you know, they, they want to see live release rates. You know, that's what they want to see. They want to see dogs not getting, you know, euthanized in pounds. They want to be no kill. And no kill is wonderful on paper and numbers don't lie, but numbers right. don't tell you the story. So what are these pounds going to do if you can't even euthanize your way out of this situation? What do you do? You give dogs away for free as somebody who rescues pit bulls. You know, you're undermining everything I try to do. You know, we we support these organizations like these pounds. Like I took on a dog the other day. She was hit by a car. She's heartworm positive and both her back legs were shattered. And um, my vet looked at me. He says, I don't think you can be able to. I don't think you're going to save these legs. He goes, send it to Dr. Cross. And I, I sent him the x-rays. And Dr. Cross is a specialist at Blue Pearl. I know Alan for 14 years. Uh, one of the most talented orthopedic surgeons in the in the world. And um, I sent it to him. He goes, I'll give it a shot. And uh, it cost us $9,000 to 
to try to save her legs. It was over a $12,000 surgery. They gave us a discount. And uh, I have to go back every two days for her bandages to get changed. And we don't know if we're going to be able to save both of her legs, but we're going to give it a shot. But uh, I'm sitting there and I'm taking these dogs in and I'm paying the vet bills. And then I'm competing with you because I try to adopt these dogs out and I do home checks and background checks and severe application process. And I charge $300 for an adoption. Now, $300 for an adoption, considering the preventative that we use and the food that we use on our average dog costs us $1,500. It's a losing Absolutely. business model. But I'm competing with the pounds that I'm saving these dogs from because they're giving them away for free. And then people don't have to be worried about me coming to your house to check your medicine cabinet to see what kind of pills you're popping before I adopt a dog to you. Exactly. And that's worrisome to me. I don't want to be, a lot of times, you know, we don't want to be negative, right? No, but you don't. You, when yeah. I hear empty the shelters or free it, it, adoption, adoption fee waived, yes, me too. I, I cringe, and, and but, I, it, <sighs> but in, 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 in all fairness, I don't have an answer for them. You know what? I do, I do have an answer. The answer is very simple. Keep dogs out of the pound. Don't turn, you know, don't dump dogs and, yeah. hey, spay and neuter. It's very simple. You can control the animal population. But it's like, it's like the stock market. I can tell you how to make money in the stock market very easily. Buy low and then sell high. But actually getting it done and doing it, it's two different things. It's another story. Exactly. You know, you, you would think in this day and age with all the technology and all the social media and all the education that's available, you think that people would get brighter and be more aware of the situation. People are more aware of the situation. They just don't care. They just don't. And that's the problem, you know. And animal rescues are full. They're overwhelmed. And, you know, and then you just, compassion fatigue is real. You know, people, animal rescues are hurting. I can't tell you how many animal rescues contact me and ask me to take their dogs. Oh, really? Even within organizations to help each other, like, lighten their load or? Yeah, or lighten their load or take their difficult dogs that they can't adopt out. They said, I've had this dog for four months. I was like, oh, really? I've had a dog in my rescue for nine years. It's going to stay here for the rest of its life. You know, um, the commitment is different. See, once I put my hands on the dog, it's mine for life. I don't care if it, 10 years down the road, if the people who adopted it return it, I'm going to take that dog in and I'm going to love him and get him what he needs. We don't give up on our animals here. And I love that. Yeah. And I've known that about your organization. You stand behind your dogs for the life of the dogs. Yeah. Always will. Do you ever find that there are families, adopters, who, who do find themselves in tough situations and they actually will come to you? They won't be too pride. They won't have too much pride. And they come and they say, we love our dog. We have to keep our dog, but we can't afford A, yeah, B, or I mean, C. It just happened, it happened today. A dog had surgery. So um, there was a family. A uh, lady was outside. She's disabled. The mother was disabled. She was outside with her little cart, her, her wheeler. And um, she was outside with her dog, and a stray dog came up and attacked her dog and ripped its um, toes off. And um, she didn't have money to care for the dog. And it got infected, so she turned the dog into the pound at Cobb County. Well, one of the uh, employees at Cobb County reached out to me. He goes, I know you help people and give them back their dogs. He's like, um, these people love their dog. They just don't have the money. She's on a fixed income. And he sent me the pictures of the dog. I'm like... Yeah, no worries. So uh, they brought the dog to the vet yesterday. He stayed overnight. We, we uh, did his surgery today and he got neutered today. And their other male dog is coming in on May 9th and we covered the neuter for them. You know, it's cheaper for me to give them their dogs back. Yeah. You know, they're a good home. They just didn't have the money to, 
to care for the animal properly and give it what it needs. So they were forced to turn it in. So, and you know, a dog that's injured is not adoptable. So basically you just, in these conditions where they're bursting at the seams, you just side that dog's death sentence. Kudos to the employee at the pound who reached out to us. You know, we made it happen. You know, it's a, it's a lot easier for me to cover their medical bill and give the dog back. You know, I'm, I'm blessed that I have good support and you know, I can put something on Facebook and raise the money. People love to help other people. There's some really crappy people out there and there are some really, really good people out there. And yeah. fortunately, I have a really good following and it's built on integrity and you know, on, on what we do here. And um, you know, we're not one of these fabrication or desperation rescues that make up these crazy stories about dogs. We, if anything, we downplay it. You know, I've had two dogs in the last month that were shot. Mm. They were fine. That's that's hard. Yeah, we had a dog that it was a cruelty case. Guy was a backyard breeder. We took four of his dogs. One of them was a victim of a backyard C-section. The guy did a C-section oh, on the dog. Mm. Dog was hemorrhaging. Poor baby. Yeah, um, I, I've seen it all: shot, stabbed, set yeah. on fire. You know, I bet. Um, but a lot, a lot, a lot of things in the rescue community are blown out of the water, and a lot of fabrication and. You know, to tug at the heartstrings. The cruelty's out there. You don't have to make up the stories. You know? How interesting. You know, I hadn't I hadn't discussed that with anyone. So do you think there are places and, and people that feel they have to just add a little bit to the drama to appeal to people's heartstrings? I'll tell you something. I worked on Wall Street and there were some ugly people on Wall Street and there was a lot of snakes on Wall Street. There's just as many, if not more, in nonprofit animal rescue. And, you know, anything that tugs at heartstrings, anytime that there's disaster or catastrophe, you know, sometimes human nature is not great. And people look to exploit and take advantage of situations. Yeah, we've seen that. How many people got rich off of COVID? Trying to, you know, charge three, four, five times the price for something because they're trying to make up for their lost income, not realizing we're all in lost income. Right. And, you know, that's another thing. You know, you, you look at what's going on in the world with supply chains and medication and the cost of things and gas, and it's killing me. I had to go to UGA. We took a dog in um, a couple of weeks back. Nelly, I don't know if you saw that one. Henry County Animal Control called us that they have a little pit bull that um, is about to burst. She's very pregnant. I don't know. I may have seen it. So I run over there and I get the dog and she wasn't pregnant. She was in heart failure. So we tapped her and took a liter and a half of fluid off her heart and she was still struggling to breathe. And we had to run her down to UGA, which is about a three hour ride for me in traffic and get her to the teaching hospital down there, University of Georgia. And um, we were hoping that she had severe heartworms. We were hoping that we could extract the heartworms from her from her artery. Oh, wow. But she wasn't a candidate for that. But she ran up a $6,000 bill. She was there all week on oxygen. Have her on vasodilators, blood pressure medication. She's coming back to normal now and will treat the heartworms, but her life will be shortened. And that's just one story. I mean, you have yeah, oh, there's, hundreds there's really, of them yeah, at one, this point. But you know what? We don't blow it out of proportion. We just, hey, this is the facts. This is, here it is. Here's the bill. And, you know... And I've seen your videos. You'll be driving. You'll be actually taking action, saving the dog and walking us through. We're actually seeing with our own eyes what you're doing. My idea in having the podcast is to give my listeners, and it was mostly for my family and friends, many of whom here in Los Angeles still didn't know a lot about rescue, have never adopted, or are just set on getting from a breeder because maybe that's just all they've ever known to do, or that's what they're 
parents and grandparents did. So I didn't want to, you know, antagonize people. I wanted to go, hey, there's a better way. There's another way. Please just join me on this journey to discover what it's like to adopt and to rescue and to find resources so that we never have to get rid of our dogs. And in doing so, you know, I tried to spend a lot of time researching and looking into the organizations and following them for a long time before I recommend them to my followers, hoping that, of course, I'm passing along a good message and saying, hey, you can trust this organization. Please follow them, donate, sponsor a dog, go visit them. Um, if anyone ever turns away at that, then something shady is going on, right? But uh, everyone's welcome to that. And, you know, please, I tell people, if, you, if you're serious and you want to get involved with us and you want to donate to us, my accountant is on my board, so is my veterinarian you have any questions you want to see our finances i can account for every penny that's in the rescue and if anybody has any anything to hide if they don't allow you to speak to their cpa or they don't you know get a reference from their veterinarian or call their local animal control and find out who they are um right, right. you know go ahead i have nothing to hide i'm not perfect but I, I run a real real good operation i've got a lot of good people behind me we built a really good team and you know we work we work our butts off congratulations and i love that you have a support team because honestly rescue founders cannot do it without you know all those tentacles and i like no, to call I've them got, tentacles because you need yeah, them everywhere and there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle people don't realize that you know there's so much that that goes on it's not just petting dogs on the head and going hey come here little baby you know it, it's it's a business and you have to have you have to have business sense because if not you will quickly go under and then you become one of those desperation rescues, you know, and, and, you know, throwing your dogs, this food, this week, that whatever you can find to give it. And, you know, what happens is people, people accept it. It becomes acceptable because it's rescue. And in my mind, these dogs need more and they need better because they're rescue because they've been deprived before they need more and they need the best. So I'm going to give them the best. And that's the way that I look at it. It's not a numbers game to me. It doesn't matter. I want to make sure every dog in my rescue is taken care of the right way, responsibly. And, you know, I have the ability, unlike some of these public pounds, where when I'm full, I'm full and I close my doors until I, something else opens up. They don't have those options. So I can't, I can't condemn them. You know, I can't sit there and say, hey, you're doing it wrong because I don't have an answer for you. So if I had an answer and I showed you, hey, this works and this is what you need to do, and then you show it, then, then I'd be all over you. But I can't knock these pounds. I really can't. You know, people, people, they have this big misconception. They call these places shelters. A shelter is supposed to be a safe place. Not where they euthanize you because you're sick. Not where they euthanize you for space. That's not euthanasia. That's straight up murder. You know, when, when you kill an animal for space, that's not humane. What part of that is humane to you? So all these words that are associated with animal welfare. Humane society, right? I used to have a big problem with that. I still do. Yeah, uh, like humane, rescue, you know, sanctuary, all, all, you know, shelter. All these words have, they can be very misleading, you know? And it's like, um, you know, like you ever see the packages on, on like chicken and it says, you know, range free, <laughs> cage free, chicken. Cage free. And then you see like the happy chickens Farm running raised, around. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> you know, but that's the picture they want to paint. And so I, I don't, I don't call them shelters. 
you know, I don't call them shovels. I call them pounds because that's what they are. And there are some good pounds that try to do what they can. But when dogs are getting euthanized for space, something's wrong. Something's really wrong with society and we fail them. We fail these animals at alarming rates and, you know, it's, it's crazy. The numbers now are crazy. The pounds are bursting at the seams. Every email I'm getting, we are, Jason, we are bursting at the seams. Right before Christmas, they were bursting at the seams. I took in 10 dogs from one place, all adult dogs. I think eight of them were heartworm positive. Mm-hmm. One of them was wow. pregnant, heartworm positive. Oh, no. And I am hearing that. I'm hearing that from many organizations, some of the smaller organizations that have always, at least to them, adopting out 10 dogs in six months is a lot because they're small. When they haven't adopted out a single dog in over 90 days, they're worried because now they have more than the 10 dogs they usually have. They have 20. And that's a lot for a a small one, you know, foster-based. Yeah. And you know what sucks about rescue too? Is like we're looking at inflation, right? We're looking at the price of gas. And I, I was saying, my point was driving Nellie down to UGA three hours. I was there three times in one week visiting her and bringing her stuff and going back and forth. Forget about the time, the gas. Gas money, you know, yeah. It's killing me. And, you know, this month alone, I put 4,000 miles on the rescue van. And I didn't go anywhere. Wow. It's just driving all over and doing what we have to do. Um, you know, people don't, people don't think about it. The thing with rescue is, you know, in the regular world, if there's cost increases, so you have mm-hmm. medicine, right? The vet has medicine, like bonazepril, it's a heart medicine, right? Blood pressure. It went from five cents a pill to 10 cents a pill. So what happens? The vet passes the cost on to the consumer. He'll raise the price of it, and okay, and you pass it on, right? The price of chicken And it sounds like up. a small amount, but 50% but when you think markup, of it. Right. That's so now, a lot. So now, let's say the price of chicken goes up and you go to your restaurant, your chicken sandwich was five seventy nine. It's now seven seventy nine. They raise the price of it. And your Coke went up 25 cents and, you know, your French fries are now, you know, $1.75 instead of $1.50. Everything's going up. Okay. Everything. But, you know, you can pass it on to the consumer. Who do I pass it on to? What do I do? Raise my adoption fees? I'm already competing with people who are giving away dogs for free. So now my costs have gone skyrocketing. The cost of labor. Yeah, you, know, you can't get people. People don't want to work, and it's it's not even a money thing. People just don't want to work anymore. You know? Do you find that? Do you have you come across that more now post COVID era? Um, because I have heard yes. people say that that people will volunteer still, but it's a paid volunteer job. And when I first heard the term paid volunteer, it made me laugh. And I don't mean to make fun of it. It was just like an oxymoron in a way. Volunteers are fantastic. But at any given time, you got to remember, you know, any any given time they they can turn around and say, hey, I don't, I'm busy, you know, or I can't do it this weekend. And then, you know, you can't rely on it. You have to, you have to pay people. You have to pay people. If you want a true commitment, 99% of the time, you're going to have to pay people. And there's a, there's a cost to it. There's a, there's a cost to it. it, it it's, it's not easy. And, and, you know, I want 
my my listeners to know also that there are organizations who use part of their funding to pay people to take care of things for the dogs or to do transport or there's nothing and there's wrong nothing with wrong that. with that but people look at that like oh you're not using your my you know the donations to help the dogs and I'm thinking wait a minute back up because I have heard that argument that is to help the dogs and it is to help the dogs you guys are available basically 24 seven if somebody is in a paid position because that way whenever you get a call the answer is yes and i'm sending somebody to take care of it. i'm i'm usually the one that shows up that's me i'm the guy who's 24 7. you know um i went nine years without a day off i work seven days a week wow you know it's not the dogs the dogs i could work with the dogs all day i don't mind scooping poop i don't i don't mind mowing grass i don't mind anything that needs to be done i don't care I'm, i do it all you know, that's, that's, uh, I'm the founder and I'm the CEO, the president, whatever you want to call it. I scoop dog crap every day, you know, but it, it's. We have to. Nah, it, you know, <laughs> we all have me. to. If I could stay back at our facility and take care of the dogs all day instead of having to run and do the business end of it, you know, it's, it's the people, it's the egos, it's the drama, it's the entitlement. You know, people, you know, everybody wants to get involved until there's a commitment, you know. And you have to clean up after people. People created this problem, and people are the problem. Yes. And, you know, never the dogs. I'll take the worst dog in the world. I don't care. It doesn't bother me, you know? Right. I'll handle the dog. The dog, eventually the dog and I are going to be fine. Yeah, because, you know, even the worst dog, as we label them worst, because mm -hmm. that's what our language gives mm -hmm. us to use as words, that isn't the worst dog. It's just that it doesn't know how to communicate with humans or never learned or had an opportunity to have that direction or trust with humans, right? You know, we're, we're so quick to, when, when a human supposedly commits a crime, gets arrested for it, there's attorneys. If you can't, if you can't afford an attorney, one will be appointed for you. You know, you have a trial. You have, you know, if you lose a trial, you have an appeal. Innocent you know. till proven guilty. Right. All the things we hear. These dogs, they don't do anything to get into these pounds. Somebody turned them loose and now, now they're sentenced to death. Think about it. You know, some of, the, some of the greatest dogs that I've ever had in my rescue have come from the most horrible situations or have been labeled. I have a dog at my house right now, Rubia. We call her Ruby Booby. Black Pitbull came into Fulton County Animal Control in heart failure. She looked like a wheelbarrow. She was huge. Uh, she was also pregnant in heart failure with heartworms, a black Pitbull. She gave birth the next day that she came into the pound. And over the course of a week or so, uh, she had eight puppies and they all died. Ugh. She couldn't feed them. And while at the pound, you know, uh, she bit a kennel worker pretty badly protecting her puppies that were dying. So her fate was sealed, right? Black Pitbull in heart, in heart failure with heartworms with a bite history. No, she's at my house. She's one of the greatest damn dogs I've ever had. I look at her, she bellies up and I just rub her and I call her Ruby Booby and she kisses my face and I kiss hers and oh, she'll live goodness. with me for the rest of her life because I can't spare her. Oh. I'm afraid to put her under with her heart. Okay. Um, I don't want to lose her. So she'll stay with me for the rest of her life. But you know what? I'm okay with it. She's a great dog. The dog that sleeps in my bed, Fabio. Um, I cut him off the chain of the dog fighting bust. All scarred up, has a hole through his nasal cavity, going through the root, root of his mouth. 
He was crazy when I got him. He wouldn't settle down. Now I can't get him out of my bed. Oh, I seriously have to wake him up baby. every morning. He has videos <laughs> of him all over Facebook. He's just asleep on the bed. I'm like, hey, you want to go out? And he's like, no, I just want to go back oh, to bed. That's so cute. He goes outside, he poops. As soon as that poop hits the floor, he runs back to bed. <laughs> that's all he wants that. to do is sleep. He loves life. Oh, he doesn't God, have a care in the great. world. He eats and sleeps and he loves it. And he gets a lot of attention from me. But, you know, these are the dogs that were labeled. These are the dogs that were bad dogs. And they were the victims of something, like you said, dog yeah. fighting, uh, chaining. Now, in Georgia, and, and, you know, I've spent quite a bit of time in Georgia because I, I worked there for a while, and then I ended up adopting four of my pities from Georgia, um, some from shelters, some from small rescues, wherever I happen to be, you know, traveling. And I see so much good in Georgia, and then I hear the stories of so much bad that's happening that we're not privy to, right? What is it like nowadays? Is there still, you know, dogfighting? Oh, dogfighting will never go away. Listen, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of money to be made in dogfighting. There's a lot of money to be made in dogfighting. Such a bummer. Such and, a bummer. And uh, no, it'll, it'll, it'll never go away. And neither will the, you know, the problem is, Every pit bull that has a scar on it becomes a fighting dog or the mythical bait dog. You know, um, everybody has a bait dog. Everybody who emails me, I have a bait dog. No, you don't. Oh, I have a fighting dog. No, you don't. I'm glad you're saying that because I, I do see pictures of dogs. Obviously, you know, their their ears are, have been cut and a lot of people cut pit bull's ears. But that doesn't mean that dog is a bait dog no, right no. so i think now that you're talking to me about how stories get dramatized oh no that that's that's every dog with a prolapse is is raped by a human you know every time i've rescued a million dogs with prolapses i have one right now pancake she had a vaginal prolapse and a rectal prolapse and the first thing people say was was she raped no she wasn't raped stop she stop that's very rare does that happen very, very rare does that happen that a human rapes an animal. It happens, but not every prolapse. Most of it comes from worms. Most of the vaginal stuff comes from pregnancies. You know, it happens. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, um, you know, the bait dog myth. No, think about it. Okay. If you're a professional fighter, right, I box, right? I work with a professional fighter. I work his corner. Okay. I'm older now, but I still get in the ring when I feel better and I, I get in there and I, and I still box. Okay. You don't box. If I'm training for a fight, you have no experience fighting. What good is it going to do for me to beat you up? How, how does that get me ready for a fight? No. Right. What happens is these breeders, the, the, these dog fighters breed these dogs and they roll them. They test them with each other. That's what they do. You don't see bait dogs. If there was a bait dog, you would never see it. It would be gone. They'd kill it. Wow. Um, so that's something that the rescue world loves to, you know, every pit bull that has a scar is a fighting dog. No, it's not. If you went into a nightclub and got into a fight with a woman and you got a scratch on your face, are you a professional fighter? No, you got into a fight. <laughs> and it, dogs get into fights doesn't mean they're fighting dogs. There's a big difference between a game-bred fighting dog and, and a dog, you know?
Right. There's a lot of them that, you know, they're strays and they, they scratch themselves on fences and trees oh, and branches or they're they're going into trash and they get yeah. hurt. I mean, Oh, they crawl underneath so, things, they cut their stomachs. Right. Oh, yeah. I, I've, I've heard all the stories. But, you know, people like to embellish a little bit because it gets the dog attention. And, you know, people people mean well. And they're like, oh, my God, this dog was right. Oh, my God, this is a fighting dog. No, it's not. Now you labeled it a fighting dog. Now nobody wants to adopt it. That's the thing I'm getting at. Yes. So I I just want people to be careful because those people who don't adopt or don't know about it. Be truthful. You know, stop with the, with the, with the drama. There's no need for it. There's enough drama and there's enough... There's enough bad things that happen to these dogs that you don't have to go out and create the, the BS. You really don't. And you just need to be truthful. And just being a homeless, neglected dog or abandoned in a shelter by the family you've, you've ever known, that's enough. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm going to break it to you. I, I'm going to be real with you. It doesn't matter about their stories. It doesn't matter how they got into these pounds. If you don't rescue them or adopt them, they're going to all die the same way. They're all going to die. In the same. It doesn't matter what they did to get in there. They were walking the street as a stray. They got lost. They got out. Their owner died. But it doesn't make a difference. If they, you know, it doesn't matter if they were shot, stabbed, set on fire, or fought. They all died the same way. If we don't rescue them, they're going to die. So there's, there's dogs without stories. It doesn't matter. I don't care about what happened to them. And what about people who refuse to adopt because they're like, well, I don't know their story, their history. They, they feel like the dog is damaged goods. There is a stigma to that. I meet people that yeah. won't adopt, and it drives me crazy. But well, you know something? You never, you never know what you're getting from a breeder either unless you're, like, you're seeing the parents there and you're check, checking the lineage. And, you know, people don't there – are, there are a lot of good breeders. My problem isn't with responsible good breeders. You know, if, if you want a, 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 you know, a golden retriever and there's a great golden retriever breeder that has one or two litters a year and the dogs are health checked and temperament tested and, you know, hey, all power to you. You know what? We love these breeds and there's a reason for them and they need to continue. And I'd rather they right. continue through a good, responsible breeder. I'm not talking about the kid who's breeding, you know, the same dog twice a year, pumping out 10 puppies at a clip and selling them for a dime bag of weed in Atlanta. And, you know, the mother has mange and the father's dog aggressive and with the hip issues. And, you know, like I said, these dogs have failed at, at every level. So, but my problem isn't with, a, with good responsible breeders. It's the backyard street breeders that suck, you know, and they keep creating these dogs that are horrible. Now they're creating all these shorty bulls and these exotic bullies mixed with English oh, bulldogs and Frenchies. Terrible. These dogs are genetic nightmares. They have so many health issues. They've so I saw one at the pug rescue in LA. Pug with pity. And she's got deformed legs and she just uh, it's just a whole set of issues that she's got. And she's wonderful, but has not been adopted yet because no one wants the responsibility of medical issues. I've got one of them lying down next to me. We rescued her out of Atlanta. They dumped her. She's got three C section scars because they can't deliver. And so she was useless to them. One of the greatest dogs in the world. Her name's Dolly. She's just funny. She's funny as all get out. And she's just the sweetest little thing. Dolly. Yeah, oh I'll show you her. Hold on. Okay. See I'm going to post a picture yeah. of Dolly on our <laughs> Dolly. site. Because I know our listeners can't Dolly. see. What are you doing, Dolly? 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Hi, She's doll. so cute. She's a little shorty, little, oh, bulldoggy pity mix. You know, you were mentioning earlier about the facility, and I had seen, you know, prior to COVID, I'd been, you know, following your page and and seen uh, the plans that you had to build this beautiful indoor-outdoor area for the dogs. Um, so tell us, and, and you called it the Shelter Capital Campaign. Is that still in the works, or did you have to put a pause on that because of COVID times? No. Um, during COVID, I focused on the rescue. Everything was so uncertain. It was such a time of uncertainty. We were busier than we ever were. A lot of rescues shut down. We, we, were, we took on more dogs than we ever did. We helped more people. We hired more people. And I didn't, you know, I didn't stand. I ran like a, like a, a bat without a head. I mean, I was just nuts. We were just so busy. We never stopped. So, but what I did was I didn't focus on the capital campaign. I focused on the rescue because all our fundraisers were canceled. Right. Um, we're just getting back. We just had our first bingo in two years. Oh, um, good. You know, but all our major fundraisers were canceled. We we had two fundraisers that usually net us about three hundred grand, and they were canceled. But we, you know what? I pretended like we had a fundraiser. I went online every night and I raised money. And you know what? We had we actually had a winning year in COVID. Oh, that's great. We actually grew during COVID. You saved a lot of dogs. We saved a poop load of dogs. Yeah. We helped a lot of people, paid for a lot of surgeries when people were out of work, helping, you know, one lady was a nurse. She had a single mom, three kids. Her golden got hit by a car. She spent $1,700 stabilizing the dog at the emergency clinic, but they didn't do anything, and they told her the dog needed an amputation. She sent me the x-ray. I looked at it. I said, we could save that leg. I brought it over to Dr. Leathers. We pinned the leg, and you know what? The dog kept its leg, and her kids got their dog back. Wow. You know, that wasn't somebody who didn't want to care for their dog, but the cost of emergency care just to stabilize the dog was $1,700. For $1,000, I could fix the dog's leg. Right, right. So, yeah, so now we're back full blast on the capital campaign. We've got a little over $2 million put aside. We're working very closely with the architect, biweekly in contact, just trying to get things done and supplies. We're still in the planning stages, uh, but supply chain shortages we don't we can't even get like real pricing on things you know it's so hard because everything's elevated yes i mean and anyone who has a home who's tried to remodel or do little fixer upper things it's crazy right now so it's probably best that you guys are still raising money and still raising money anything off. anything extra that comes in goes to the capital campaign because we we need this place you know and again like we're going to build a 25,000 square foot facility and, you know, people think we're going to have thousands of dogs there. No, we're going to have 60 dogs there because each dog is going to have a huge run. Each dog is going to have an outdoor 40 foot run, half covered, half open. There's going to be separate drains. You know, the dogs, um, there's going to be walls between them. There'll be no cross contamination, no fence fighting, no anything like that. And, you know, the best of the best indoor therapy pool therapy because a lot of dogs we take in have trauma and need you know rehab there'll be a vet facility for our animals there'll be you know this is this is what they need we're not going to warehouse dogs i don't want to i don't want to stack dogs on top of dogs i want dogs to live a good life you know these dogs are with us for a long time you know finding the right homes is the challenge i could rescue them all day long it's finding the right homes. You know, everybody cheers you on, but and they they don't they donate to you, but nobody wants to adopt these dogs, or they're not right to adopt these dogs. You know, you might be a good home, but you might not be a good home for Dolly. You might not be a good home for Rex. You might not, you know, finding the right homes. You know, people get upset when you dismiss their application. 
when you turn them down. Right. Yes, I've heard that. Yeah, you know, we got oh, we got over a thousand applications last year, and we adopted out 120 dogs. And people were denied, and they get mad when they're denied. And you know, then they they. But I'm okay with it. I'm not going to lower my standards. You know, I had one one guy who was a friend of mine who wanted to adopt a dog for me, and we do a vet check on him, and his dog's not on current on heartworm prevention. It hasn't had a heartworm test in a few years. How can I adopt a dog from you? I just took Nellie in. It just cost us $6,000 and she almost lost her life because she wasn't on a heartworm medicine. Imagine if you did, yeah. And Rubia lost all her puppies, yeah. Especially in Georgia. Right, which is number two state in the country for heartworms. Yeah, I adopted two that had a heartworm. Yeah, 80%. And it's not a nice treatment. It's not, it's not fair. Not fair to these animals. So, you know, 80% of the dogs we take in are heartworm positive. Wow. I think I'm going to buy stock in Muriel, you know, because we keep buying a miticide to kill this stuff. I should have bought stock in a tractor supply years right? ago. <laughs> yeah. Hindsight's always 2020. Right? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, um, you know, it's, it, it's so cheap. I, like, I try to explain to people, it's cheaper to prevent this stuff than it is to treat it. And it's a lot less, I know. you know, harsh on the dog. And you know what it is? People never, they always talk about, oh, be truthful with me. Well, I'm going to be truthful with you. <laughs> and people don't like the truth and they, they get hurt. I was going to say, hurt. the truth hurts might people. not like to hear the truth. No. So my sister adopted a dog for me, right? She went through the process. I tell people, you love the rescue, you support the rescue. You love what we do. We'll respect what we do and respect our processes and, you know, because we didn't get back to you in two days. I'm sorry. You know, we're overwhelmed. We're busy. It's not easy. Uh, every pit bull in the res rescue in the Atlanta area has failed. Every one of them has gone away. Yeah. All the ones that were around Ugh. when I first started are gone. All the ones that have popped up really? after me have gone. They come and they go. And then they're out. They're out the door. You want to know why? Because it, it's, it's a losing business model. You can't win. You can't win with this breed. It's tough. I mean, we will continue to advocate and, and push and save them. Yeah. But yeah, you're definitely not in it for the money. And, um, you know, changing the landscape of this breed is hard. And, you know, you're not, it's so frustrating that you don't make a dent. You know, we don't make a dent in the problem. I was going to ask you, you know, and you've answered my question, but I was going to say, what is the, the, the biggest obstacle or maybe frustration that you face daily? And then the biggest reward. I'll tell you something, the, the, the biggest obstacle, you know, people, people tell me, they say, look at what you've accomplished. How can I look what I, stop and look at what I've accomplished when there's so many more in need? How can you celebrate a small victory when, the, when you have so many losses? So to me, the ratio of dogs saved to the ratio of dogs that need help that we get, you know, requests for that I have to turn down. God, you know, it's, you almost have no words for it. It's it's disheartening, you know. But when you have the dog that you know with cerebral ataxia that can't walk on his own or can't eat on his own, and you have him on the couch and he sits there and thumps his tail because he's so happy, even though you have to carry him downstairs and hold him when he pees and his poops. But you know what? When he licks your face and he can't control his head because he has no control of it, but he headbutts <laughs> you and he busts your lip open, but he's still happy. <laughs> that's when. I'm like, okay, that's a victory. Or, you know, when you have yeah. Rubia, the dog that nobody w would have taken because she has a bite history, it's heart failure, you know, heartworm disease. And, and 
you look at her and she throws herself on her back and she just wants you to love her. And Or Fabio who's lying in my bed or Ginger who's 14 years old who I carried down the stairs, but she can still make it back up the stairs that I rescued. You know, she had a vaginal tumor the size of a volleyball and her owner died and nobody could get near her. Oh. And she's one of the greatest dogs I've ever had. Wow. And she's near the end, but you know what? She never found the home, but she's been with me. That That's a victory for me. That's a home. Yeah. Yes, you know, absolutely. It's not. Absolutely. Like people say, oh, your place is heaven. No, it's not. They're one of 30 dogs. You know, it's not It's not heaven. It's purgatory. There's a better place for them. But you know what? Sometimes this is the only place. It's a hell of a lot better where, than where they would have ended up. You know, I can honestly say that 95% of the dogs that come into my rescue would have been killed. You know? Wow. So, yeah, uh, the small victories. And tell me, in what ways does your organization need more support? Like, what do you wish you had more of? Uh, I'll tell you, number one thing is monetarily. You know, we need, we, we, we need financial support so that we can continue to do more, to help more. Um, to grow, to build this facility so we can take on more. You know, I have big plans for this facility, the, the one building, but I have five buildings in mind that I want to build, and we can touch into that in a second. But the other area, fosters. Fosters are what makes it happen. Without the fosters, you know, we, we have 100 dogs in the rescue. Um, we have 100 pit bulls in the rescue. And um, at any given time, you know, we average between 75 and 100. And these fosters are what makes it happen. So foster homes, because we're full. We, we stay full. You know, we can only take on what a foster can handle right now. We, we're full. And um, so fosters and money are the two things that are most important. Or volunteers, you know. People with skill sets that, that are useful. Marketing people. And what areas usually are you in that people could help? What areas of Georgia? We're in the Atlanta area. We're in Dallas, Georgia. Um, we're about 45 minutes out of Atlanta. But, you know, we're reachable. But the Atlanta area, you know, we're outside the perimeter. But, um, yeah, just the Atlanta area. We service all of Georgia. Oh, really? Okay. You know, we'll go to Macon. We'll go, yeah, we'll go anywhere in Georgia. I don't, I don't take dogs from out of state. And I'll tell you why. There's a pound right behind my house. Paulding County Animal Control is right behind my house. It's a half a mile through the woods. I can hear their dogs barking at night. You don't hear mine, you hear theirs. But I can't rescue all the dogs that they have. What business do I have going out of state? You know? And, you know, everybody has this great idea about transporting dogs to this magical place called Up North. You know? <laughs> yes. I'm yeah, from up north. Well, if you couldn't tell, I'm from up mm. north. Up north isn't magical, especially for pit bulls, because that's all that's in the pounds in New York, even Long Island. Like, I have a good friend of mine, volunteers in Hempstead at Animal Control over there, and he's like, it's all pit bulls, man. And it so, you know, nobody's Brooklyn. taking these dogs. Yeah. yeah. Nobody's taking these dogs. It, it, it's, it's bad. It's definitely an epidemic of pit bulls. There's no short supply of them, and they're ruining them. So, yeah, I mean, the areas that we need, I mean, really good volunteers. Um, we need foster homes. And we, we, we need, I probably need about $2, $2 million more to finish out my facility with the costs okay. right about now. Yeah, Just yeah, to, the way that everything's going. Mm-hmm. 
And it's, it's crazy. I mean, everything's just getting more and more expensive. You know, we, we, we took in more money than we did last year, but we spent more. Yeah, that's what, where it's at. And I believe it, you know, if, if we're feeling it in our personal lives, you better believe that nonprofit organizations are definitely feeling the pinch, especially because like Jason is saying, there weren't those fundraisers. No. Many organizations didn't have them just not, not just in 2020, but they didn't have them in 2021. And yeah. two years of no big fundraisers and you're really behind when the problem is just bigger. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just worse than it's ever been. You think that it, you know, you would come out of stuff like this, and it would. You think that people would learn, and they don't. Yeah, it's hard. I try to keep my chin up and, and stay inspired and stay hopeful, but I know that all I can do is to not stop, to not stop taking action, to not stop inspiring people and showing people with, with my own pack of five pities and a pug. You know, we have a very beautiful, balanced home. Uh, my six-year-old son has grown with all pity dogs and his pug. And I have to tell you, if anyone has never met a pit bull type dog or seen one or visited one in a shelter, believe me, it'll change your life even if you don't plan to adopt the experience that you will have fostering or volunteering to help this beautiful breed will change you for the better as it did me i did not grow up an animal lover because i was afraid of dogs growing up and i was bit by a german shepherd as a kid and i've told that story on the podcast before but you know what it took one dog to show me that, oh, they're not all like that. And uh, my pity Great Dane, Dublin, who is now almost 14, she is she was it. She opened up my eyes to the canine condition, is what I like to say. And um, so I encourage you, all my listeners, to please share this episode. Talk about Friends to the Forlorn and the amazing work that they're doing. Find them and follow them. And tell us where our, our listeners can actually find and follow Friends to the Forlorn, Jason. Well, thank you. Um, our website is savingpitbulls.org. Um, we can be found on Facebook, Friends to the Forlorn Pitbull Rescue. Um, on Instagram, we're FTTF Pitbull. And on your podcast, you'll uh-huh, find us there. You better believe it. <laughs> <laughs> and I will have those live links in the show notes for this episode so anyone can easily click and find Friends to the Forlorn. Our listeners should also know that I am not getting paid to advocate for any organization or individual on this podcast. I choose to interview guests from organizations that I know are doing the good work for dogs and for people across America. So please follow Jason and Friends to the Forlorn, connect with them, and be inspired at the very least through social media with the wonderful work that they're doing for these dogs. I promise you that it will change you in some small way, or you might pass the message along to someone and might be, you know, water cooler talk, as they say, Jason. And sometimes people just need to hear something. And then they look into it and they go, oh my gosh, I yeah, didn't know Please that. look into us. You know, any questions, reach out. We'll get them answered for you. Okay. Well, thank you for everything. I don't know if there's anything else you would like to share with us or, or tell our listening audience that might inspire them to, to at least keep an open mind and volunteer or adopt. Yeah, come, come follow us on social media. See what we do. Um, we're pretty transparent. Um, take a good look into us and uh, you know, join the family. The Forlorn family is pretty strong. We get a lot done for a small organization. And uh, we'd love to have you. All right. Thank you so much for your time, Jason. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you. Despite the negativity and the cruel world that some of these pit bull type dogs are born into, through no fault of their own, 
we must remain vigilant and keep using our voices to help this breed. Here is yet another incredible organization devoting time day in and day out, year after year, to saving the lives of innocent Pitbull-type dogs. I want to say thank you to Jason and his incredible team at Friends to the Forlorn. As cheesy as I might sound, you all had me at hello. I am definitely one to support the efforts of this organization, and I hope that you will also find and follow them on social media. See the joy and all the happy new beginnings that Friends to the Forlorn is creating by saving more lives every day. Help and support in any way you can, when you can. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please press subscribe on our podcast and tell all of your dog-loving friends about it. Until next time, hang on to those leashes. The canine condition. Come, sit, stay. Stay.